Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Trevor Chambers. I'm the host of Meet the Masters with O'Reilly Financial Group. Meet the Masters is a collection of interviews with a wide range of thought leaders. And today is March 23rd, and I am, uh, I've known my uh, next guest for over a decade and watched him become one of Raleigh's most, uh, one of Raleigh's foremost entrepreneurial spirits and uh, an incredible success story. And uh, just listen, welcome to Meet the Masters. Thanks a lot, Trevor. Happy yeah. to be here. I was thinking uh, you and I have probably known each other for 12 to 15, somewhere somewhere around 12 to 15 years. And yeah. how uh, you, um, grew your your first large-scale entrepreneurial effort uh, not far from uh, my family's restaurant. Uh, right. And that's how I got to know you. And uh, so, t- so tell me, uh, uh, I, you, you, tell me about your history. Give me an overview of, uh, of what you've done. And also, I want to hear about um, card, like you, you had a business selling card tricks and magic mm-hmm. stuff. I like that. Yeah, um, I got I got to know about that. So uh, what, totally. yeah, so what's going on, man? What's yeah, your, uh, tell me your deal. Tell us your deal. Yeah, yeah. So as a kid, I was I was pretty entrepreneurial. Um, I invested in the stock market starting at you know probably age I don't know twelve maybe, and um, I was an amateur nice. magician, and so I invented a couple card tricks and tried to sell them and. Um, and then I, I kind of got out of entrepreneurship and I got a lot more focused on school and um, really thought I wanted to be a professor, physics professor, and then a philosophy professor. And so that's what I went to school for is uh, philosophy, planning to be a professor. And really uh, just got into entrepreneurship in uh, the year 2000, roughly. I was graduating college. That was kind of the height of the dot-com boom right before March when everything crashed, but mm-hmm. um, I got to experience the dot-com boom for long enough to decide that it seemed like a lot more fun than philosophy, and so uh, I kind of just started to learn programming on my own and get into learning how to build websites and software, and I, I just absolutely loved it. So I um, started my own company and doing website custom website software development, and then a couple of years after that, decided I wanted to build my own product, and I created ShareFile, which is a secure business file sharing tool, and uh, built that business, and it was acquired by Citrix in 2011. We had about 100 employees at the time, and then uh, went on with Citrix for quite a while, grew ShareFile to about 900 employees, and... Uh, and then left and started another business. Yeah, tell us about what. Tell us about the current venture. Yeah, so uh, the current venture is called Levitate, and it is a tool that's designed for relationship-based businesses. So companies that really grow mostly through referrals and word of mouth, rather than doing advertising and having big sales teams. And um, Levitate is really simple. Basically, the idea is it helps relationship based businesses do a better job keeping in touch and staying top of mind in a more personal and authentic way than if you were to use something like an email marketing tool, which is a nice way to kind of blast people, but more and more these days, those email marketing messages just end up going into people's promotional box and they don't really engage with them or it doesn't do anything to really deepen the relationship. 
And so um, we set out to, to build something that has all the, the authenticity of a, of a one-to-one email communication but gives you some more of the efficiency uh, of software. Well, I must just throw out the disclaimer. Um, myself and my two firmates use Levitate, and um, it's, it's, it's been a wonderful product and has made a difference in our in our business model. So I commend you for that. Yeah, I, thank, I'm thank not you all saying, for being, uh, yeah, being yeah, yeah. A, uh, one of our early adopter customers. Yeah. We have uh, over 700 now, but I think you all were probably in the first, I don't know, first 10 or 20 customers. So it's been awesome we're, to uh, learn along the way with you. Are we, Jeff, are we in the Diamond Inner Circle group? Or <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's okay. very few customers that have, have Levitate T-shirts. And so if you have a Levitate yeah. T-shirt, that's that means true. you're automatically in the in the diamond that, uh, the diamond inner circle. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, Jess, ha, uh, tell us very also uh, for, uh, your lovely wife. Tell us about because you've made a lot of great decisions. I'm thinking that might be one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my wife's Brooks Bell. She's also a kind of prominent entrepreneur in the area. Has her own company. And um, we actually met back in college, so we've been together for 21 years now. Um, yeah, back you know before I was an entrepreneur, and uh, she was 18 years old when we met. I was 21, and so uh, yeah, so we've been. That's a lot of husband together. training. That's a yeah. lot of husband training. Yeah, so we've been <laughs> together for me as long as I've been not together, so I'm 42, so we've been together for half my life and more than half of her life. Well, some of my best, you guys, uh, we'd come in on dates to Bella Monica. You'd also come in and do business, you know, business lunches and things, but uh, I kind of, uh, I, I remember finally you guys even at the bar or whatever, so uh, back in the day. Yeah. And I believe yeah. you're, if I remember correctly, you are a pesto flatbread with Kalamata olives. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you hit it and you hit it. And actually, um, I just got one on Friday. We did a takeout oh, nice. uh, curbside experience from Belmonic and I hadn't had that Thank for a while. I forgot Thank how good you. it was. Yeah. yeah it was awesome. Cool, man. Thank you for doing that. So shout yeah. out to uh, my people at Belmonica. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to jump right into some questions if, uh, uh, if you're cool with it here. Absolutely. Because um, we don't, we don't have a lot of time. So I know we want to say some stuff. So, um, Let's let's jump into a meaty question here. Uh, what's what's the role? Now you notice, guys, it is the date on our thing is March twenty third. So, you know, we are in the thick of uh, COVID nineteen still, and um, you know, one, let's start with this. What's the role of entrepreneurs and in innovation in an economic recovery? Do you think? Yeah. Because yeah, no, I mean, I think it's huge. I was did a talk to some for some entrepreneurs last week, and one of the things I mentioned is that I think this is actually the best time to start a business um, because, in a lot of ways, being able to start with a clean slate. There's been so much that's changed in the economy over the last month or two. Um, being able to start with a clean slate is almost better than starting with an existing business where you're trying to kind of scramble to adapt to the new reality. Um, and so there's just so much room for 
innovation. I've thought I've got several different business ideas that I've thought about over the last month or two. Where if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, would I think could be a pretty interesting businesses. And so, um, you know, I think there's going to be there's just a huge amount of opportunity for entrepreneurs who are starting from scratch. And there's also, you know, unfortunately, but but fortunately, there's people out who maybe they got laid off from their existing job and uh there's not a lot of hiring that's happening in the economy which which I think can be a great um catalyst for entrepreneurial people to say hey well I'm going to go figure out something to do and create a new business myself since I'm not it's harder to to find a kind of cushy job with a large company and so it kind of encourages risk taking you know a lot of what we're hearing uh is that companies big companies are going to hoard cash for a while and they're going to need to spend it eventually and you sold to a very large company you sold your first share file right mm-hmm. um there's a cycle to that and maybe again to your point we're cleaning out the cycle and now it's going to begin again mm-hmm. absolutely yeah yeah and i think yeah, to back that up um so what what can what what does it say about the american spirit also um, not to get too crazy here, but, you know, I think that classic, you know, America is just, the United States is just an amazing place. I, I think we 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 just got to go back to work and work a little bit harder, but we're really good at that. Do you have any comment on that? Just Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think one thing I was, I was kind of shocked by was, how fast businesses adapted to the uh, the quarantine and the new economy. Like literally mm-hmm. watching TV days after the stay-at-home orders, there were companies that were already adapting their commercials and, uh, you know, their value propositions and car companies that are doing uh, delivery at home and just kind of how nimble the whole kind of free market is in, in this situation. So um yeah I've been I've been impressed with how how uh kind of adaptable a lot of businesses have been and, and kind of how quickly they've been able to move. It's uh it's a very interesting situation that we have and I think one of the big questions is there's going to be a period of time where we're in this state of kind of threat from coronavirus but uh and that may last a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the interesting questions, and so we know things are going to be different for that probably for the next couple of years, but then I think one of the other interesting questions is after doing things for a couple of years, what are the things that we're going to say, hey, we actually like it better this way and are just going to permanently change in the economy? And, uh, you know, like one example would be I saw a commercial for uh, Trolls, the movie, and it was a commercial for this movie that is getting released to streaming, directly to streaming. And um, that was the first one I've seen. And so, you know, that's probably for the next couple of years, movies are going to get released direct to uh, to streaming. And maybe people will decide that, or maybe the, the, the studios and everything will decide that they're going to do that permanently once, once everything comes back. And um, same kind of thing with the car buying experience and, and uh, restaurants is, you know, an interesting topic is will restaurants, kind of change how they're configured and be, you know, more about delivery, less about dining, the dining experience or, you know, just the curbside pickup and all the other interesting 
kind of approaches that are happening now. Even before this um, pandemic, there was this concept of cloud kitchens, which uh, you know you may you may be familiar with. Basically, I think I've heard of it, but yes, that's, that's yeah. Basically, you know, cloud kitchen is like a headless restaurant. So it's a restaurant that has no dining room. It's designed strictly for delivery. Um, mm-hmm. And that was already a trend that was kind of picking up for catering and delivery. It was already picking up before this. And so I think it's really interesting to think about, you know, when when things come back to normal, what are the uh, what are the businesses that will just stick around and people will be like, actually, this is great now that I've been – because I think there's a lot to figure out sticking with restaurants. Um, the delivery experience has been kind of subpar where it's like, oh, if I order something, it's going to, it's not going to taste quite as good as it tasted when I was in the dining room. And, uh, but that can be solved, you know, with separating ingredients in a certain way and delivering them. And maybe even the last step is something that you heat up at the end. I've seen a couple um, of restaurants that are working on that, like, um, mandolin locally i saw i had some kind of an offering there so i think it's just very it's kind of fascinating that's just one industry to think about every category and how we're kind of forced into this experiment and the experiment in some cases is going to result in things that never would have been worth risking the business to try but now that we've tried them we realize there's actually a much better way to to do things um than we had thought before yeah and if you want to extend that even further, kind of riffing on the, so you can't go to the restaurant maybe as much, or maybe that changes really dramatically. Maybe you don't want to, you know. Maybe we all want we we all want to, but the the, the health threat is keeping us away. So so do you bring some sort of uh, aspect of higher level customer service into into the experience at home? For example, maybe include a couple candles mm-hmm. for a date night, or you know, we used to put confetti on the table if it was your birthday or if you were celebrating. Maybe that, maybe that's included in. You know, what I mean, just those little touch points mm-hmm. that differentiate. Yeah. Um, what areas of the this, this, what areas of the economy do you see? And we talked about restaurant industry, but where where do you think there could be some kicking off of some new trends? Um, you know, what sectors? I know you you're in the information you know, business um, in the technology world. Well, what else are you seeing? What else are you reading out there? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it, it kind of gets back to, you know, the prior topic about, you know, there's there's some short-term things that are going to happen that are pretty clear right now when everyone's in stay-at-home world. But I think the question is what's going to stick. And it's hard to predict. Um Certainly, one of the questions out there is about commercial real estate and how are, now that companies have been doing this stay-at-home kind of thing and figuring out that they can work from home productively, mm-hmm. what our office is going to look like in the future. I think there will be offices, but uh, sorry. No, that's you fine. You can hear my dog. Um, <laughs> I don't know if there, uh, there will be offices or there, there probably will be offices, but how will they be configured? What kind of density? What's the, the way that, you know, offices are going to adapt? Um, and, and so I think that's a really interesting topic. Uh, software, you know, we've been using some software. We're pretty tech savvy because we're a software company, but we've been using some software that we hadn't been using before for, for chat and things like that um, that I think we're going to continue to use 
post um, getting back into the office. So some of the areas that, that interest me a lot are software tools, um, commercial real estate, kind of what what's going to happen there, and uh, and then I'm I'm pretty interested in in the whole kind of restaurant industry and how that's mm-hmm. going to adapt. What are the things that are going to going to change permanently there? Yeah, um, I tell you, my 16 year old, she likes this distance learning. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, um, and you know, where is that going to take us? I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, but since, uh, you know, for better or worse, my 13 year old and my 16 year old, and I'm talking to a, not just myself, but lots of people out there, right? Um, or in this situation, um, you know, they're the guinea pigs. So it's going to be interesting how that plays out. And of course, I think while telehealth was around, it just got adopted. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah, I saw so a stat that it's up like 4,000%, um, yep. since the, Virus and um, and I think I saw that there's been kind of some one of the challenges in telehealth in the past has been doctors have to be licensed in the state where they practice and so it's been hard to launch like really national um, telehealth but they re- I think they relaxed that law um, as part of this whole coronavirus stuff and that's an example of maybe they relax the law and then maybe they decide not to unrelax it maybe they decide that mm-hmm. you know that works and then that you know, as a catalyst for all kinds of other change moving forward. Yeah, I uh, I'm excited about that area, um, and I and the and the distance learning thing. You know, it's just um, so. What are you most concerned about? Are you concerned about anything? But if if you are, what, what what's troubling you out there? Well, I, I think the uh, probably the the biggest. Couple concerns I have now are you mentioned kind of the getting back to work, which uh, is going to happen and, and kind of has to happen because when you think about it, like when they talked about flattening the curve, really the main purpose until there's a vaccine, the main purpose of flattening the curve is to make sure that hospitals are not over, overwhelmed with uh, capacity so they don't get to a point where you got people that are dying because. There's not enough hospital capacity. There's not enough ventilators. There's not enough of that kind of stuff. But flattening the curve otherwise is really just it's slowing down what will inevitably happen, which is people continuing to get coronavirus. And so not necessarily going to majorly change the, uh, the impact, um, the health impact or number of deaths or things like that, unless they before there's a vaccine, they discover kind of more effective treatments, which I think – just by trial and error, we'll find we learn we learn and get better. But um, I guess the uh, the concerning thing to me is that I don't know if if everybody in the economy appreciates the fact that we're in probably the first inning or the second inning of yeah. something that's going to be lasting a couple of years. And um, you know, I almost think that some of the impacts may be worse on restaurants and hotels after the stay-at-home orders are lifted because then there's just going to be kind of a consistent low-grade 30% drop in revenue and there's mm-hmm. not going to be stim- stimulus to support it and it's just going to kind of go on and on and, and wear a lot of people down. The other thing I worry about is kind of the, you know, the the ripple effects or kind of the chaos theory of the whole thing. Um, just it's easy to understand, you know, restaurants being impacted, airlines, but then, 
all the follow-on effects of what happens to loan defaults on, on mortgages and on commercial property. And you know, there could be a crisis or collapse in a part of the system that a lot of people aren't even thinking about just because of the, you know, how kind of complex and intertwined the economy is. And so I think it's just, you know, we are dealing with a black swan kind of event. Yep. And um, it's very, very difficult to know. It's been a hundred years since something like this has happened. It's very, very difficult for us to, to model and know kind of how we should be thinking about the world. And so I don't, I think that the thing that concerns me the most is that we, the worst may not, in some ways it feels like the way the worst is almost over. We're getting ready to end the stay at home orders. But in a lot of ways, I think it's possible that um, the worst is is yet to come with uh, with this whole thing. Yeah. Well, the uh, you know, I can I tell you what I'm most optimistic about. Yeah. Let me riff on this for a second. One thing I think that's a little bit being discounted, and I think could be the thing that could help lead us into out of this, there's a lot of millennials that are getting into their early 30s and where they're finding mates and mating and creating that cycle and where they're going to have to buy a house, they're going to have to buy a car, and they're going to have to get into that world. And I think that's mm-hmm. a macro trend. Um, I, I know you you hire a lot of people in that age group, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a, that's something that that I, you know, I'm a long term investor. You know what I do, um, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of uh, something that we're that I, I like to keep an eye on and, and keep as one of my true north sort of things. Um, let me ask you this: I'm going to switch and go back a little bit personal question, and because we only have a couple more minutes, what was the biggest could you give me a nice statement on what you've learned the most in your share file experience? And then I want to ask you what you're learning the most in in your new venture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the big things I learned from ShareFile and the new venture, and I think it was a principle I had even before ShareFile, um, is the value of kind of a high level of, customer support and service. And I know that for you and your in your fellow Monica days, I mean you, you were literally at the beginning of this call still you remembered what my favorite pizza was. Yeah. You know, ten plus Thanks. years removed. And yeah. uh, you know, I think one of the secrets to our success with ShareFile and I think with Levitate is that if you just start with an extraordinary level of service, um Customers will tolerate a lot of a lot of problems and will be very loyal, you know. And if you have a high level of of service and just do an exceptional job, um, yeah. kind of addressing your customers' needs, and that's just been one of the guiding principles I've always had as I started, you know, my businesses uh, throughout the years. And so that's certainly a big one for me. And then the other one is just continual improvement and optimization, you know. Um, and that's definitely been a, the case for Levitate. When you launch a new product, um, as long as you continue to iterate quickly and try to get better, just a little bit better, 
um, every single day. Eventually, you you kind of converge and uh, and find the right path. And so I think it, it it's all about exceptional level of of service and support, which buys you a lot of time and patience from from your customers, and also is kind of the key to driving referrals. And then also that you know consistent introspection and regular kind of improvement, and that improvement just compounds over time. And so if you I think do the math, it's like if you improve 1% a day, then by the end of the year, you've improved like 3,000%. And so uh, those are kind of two of the guiding principles across both businesses. You mean the Kobe Bryant thought process to just get better relentlessly every day? I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. I got uh, two other two things to cover, and I'm going to let you go. Restaurants. Give me a nice plug. I know you guys are you guys are kind of you guys are downtown someplace or or it's inside of Beltline, right? So yeah. where, where, what's your what's your plug, man? What's your what restaurant? And I know and tell me what you're doing with the comp, with the company because I know you've been you've been uh, supporting restaurants through through Levitate. Yeah, exactly. So tell yeah, me about couple, that. Couple of things. Yeah. So well, first of all, we've got a couple of restaurants. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> first of all, um, you know, Brooks and I announced that. We made a hundred thousand dollar donation to the um, the North Carolina Restaurant and Hotel Workers awesome. Relief Fund. Um, when did that happen? When did you guys do that? It was about a month ago, um, oh. kind of near in, into it. And so, you know, we we absolutely feel for for local restaurant and hotel workers, and you know, Thank it's you just for doing that. That's huge, man. Yeah, oh, it's just businesses well. that uh, through no fault of their own. If I was running a restaurant, I would be in the exact same, you know. Yeah. position there and it has nothing to do with you know how well they run their business it's just it's a very very tough situation um so one of the things we're doing in the company is we have a weekly virtual company meeting and um we're reimbursing employees if they order takeout delivery um we're reimbursing employees and they just have to take a picture of their food and post it to our company chat which is kind of fun so you can kind of see who's ordering from where and, and all yeah. that kind of stuff um but in terms of for me some of the places I've been ordering from. Um, I like uh, I like Gringo downtown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gringo, the, the Mexican place. Yeah, um, right, cool. And uh, so I've ordered from there a little bit. Um, when when I was back in my uh, my regular office days, Chopped is a I like Chopped, Cameron Village, oh, yeah. place. Um, and then, and then Bella Monica. So Brooks and I actually ordered from there last week and yeah, thank uh, you again. had a yeah. great experience. And the, oh, cool. uh, Brooks was really impressed with, she's gone gluten free now. Oh yeah. Um, and so, you know, she's been pretty impressed. A lot of our delivery experiences, um, the, the two of us, she's also really sensitive to spicy food and stuff. Okay. And one of the things we've noticed, this is talking about how things will evolve is we had a couple of failed delivery experiences where we yeah. both ordered and, yeah. It was too spicy or whatever stuff that you can kind of communicate better in person. And, yeah. uh, so we were, we had probably, I've had a lot of individual good delivery experiences, but she had her first positive delivery experience, uh, with Belt Monica last week. So we'll definitely oh, be, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be, well, be going back to that. If you're in a restaurant business and you're not rethinking your website right now, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, I got, I'll, I'll get a shout out to, uh, um, I think it's a chain. I don't know, but it's called Just Salads over on Lake Boone. Mm-hmm. And um, that website was 
awesome. And it was the I went out and it was sitting on a table in the front area, no one around. I, I my, very clearly labeled in a beautiful branded ba- uh, bag. Picked it up mm-hmm. and double checked it out the door. Beautiful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. beautiful. So I mean, you really, yeah. Um, well, that's super cool. All right. Well, I love the. Oh, hey, I'm gonna plug out. I did Sassoul, uh Lebanese up in uh, North Raleigh today. It was fabulous. Oh, the hummus was fabulous. So. Um, all right, one last question. Sure. How's your hair? Well, I guess my hair, dude, my hair is as wide as it is high. My head is as wide as it is high. And you you and I I have gray hair, so I had to throw out that. I mean, we're nothing, you and I have gray hair. So how do you look at it? Yeah, yeah, we're, I think we're in the same boat. You know, we got the, this this is not, this is not a friendly environment for, uh, for people with our, our curly hair styles. And so, I mean, my hair, my hair, it depends on the time of the day. The later in the day, the worse. Yeah. The worse it gets, the bigger it gets. Yeah. So uh, I was actually trying to decide. I was talking to Brooke this morning about do I do I grow it out? At one point, I had a man bun a couple of, few years ago, and so yeah. I go for that again, or or what? So still undecided. So I'm I'm kind of hanging on by a thread. The hair is the hair is barely hanging yeah. on. I'm gonna have to make some tough choices probably in in a, a couple more weeks if I can't get it cut. Well, I, I think, you know, in terms of innovation, we need to – there has to be some innovation, I think, there, too. Mm. You know, how do we do it? Mm. Everybody's, you know – but it may be six-foot shears, you know, like mm. – like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like with the huge handle. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I keep thinking that, you know, I just saw it the other day, like all the um, all the sports teams are going to come out with uh, branded, you know, scarves and stuff Masks like that. And stuff, yeah. Yeah, I told Gonza, I said, Gonza. Your, your your freaking uh, brand is perfect for masks. All these masks, you know what I mean? Now you can't mm-hmm. use it and right. certain, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know? Wrestling masks, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I look for. I tell you what, if you feel brave, send send me a selfie of yourself with your crazy hair, and I'll put mine up. We can have like a hair competition. All right. Okay. All, all right. right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, listen. I I really appreciate you taking the time and to do this. Maybe we can do this again in six months, and we'll review the tape. And, yeah. and I and I and, and I hope that time. I see you before that, and I'll yeah. give you a big hug and uh, and stuff. But listen, a big shout out to the Lev team, and uh, have a great day, and say hi, to Brooks. Thanks, thanks, Trevor. Have yeah, man, peace, brother. Thank you. Bye.